Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to the Friday edition of the show. Today we're going to be wrapping up the final four, if you will, players of the 64 college basketball goats, according to ESPN. And these are the last two brackets in the uh, Midwest region. And we're going to get into detail later because uh, after the first segment, we're going to be joined by a special guest of the show and uh, break down all of these uh, players and really react to this, uh, what is in, in part an awesome list and sometimes an awful list. But uh, let's go ahead and jump right to it. I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn the knob here. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. Uh, this week, in honor of March Madness, or uh, the resurrection of March Madness, that is, we've been discussing the 64 college basketball goats, according to ESPN. And uh, later on in the show, we're going to have special guest Kevin McCormick. He is the producer of World Renowned Sports on YouTube. So looking forward to reacting to this list. Uh, we'll probably let the interview go on for a while, and then I'll break it up over several segments in the next couple of shows. Uh, next week is what I like what I've been calling influencers week. We're going to be uh, connecting with other locked on stations, hopefully be able to get to talk with George Ragster. I'm very excited to, to meet and have on the show. Um, you can always follow the show on Twitter at locked on ducks and you can always find me, your host, Jordan Long at the dustoff guy. Uh, first person on social media to use the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. Use that hashtag and ask me uh, why it's the dustoff guy, and we'll have an interesting conversation about that. Uh, or if you can guess it, that'll even be more fun. I do look forward to those social media connections. Uh, you know, this, this list is a whole lot more fun to discuss when, uh, I can talk about, you know, who, who's, who out there thinks who should be on this list, who shouldn't be on this list. Was it right to pair up Sabrina Ionescu and, uh, Wilt Chamberlain in the South division, for example, but for now, let's get to it On to the action. Next up in the Midwest region, we have number seven, Candace Parker versus number 10, Kevin Durant. Candace Parker went to Tennessee from 2005 to 2008, and there she uh, ended up sitting out her freshman year with a with a bad knee with a knee injury, but then went on to lead Tennessee to consecutive NCAA titles. She's the first ever woman to dunk in an NCAA tournament, and actually then went to be the first one to dunk two times. Um, and despite redshirting that freshman year, she was the fastest lady volunteer in program history to get to 1,000 points. She did it in 56 games. Holdsclaw, who we talked about yesterday, did it in 57. And Tamika, a great basketball name, Catchings, did it in 58. And you remember we actually wrapped up yesterday's show talking about Catchings. Her record at Tennessee was 100 wins and 10, only 10 losses. Average 19.5 points per game, almost 9 rebounds per game, 2 steals per game, and 2.5 and 
blocks per game. You know, I'm always talking about all around players, one that's defensively powerful, hitting the boards, getting the blocks, but also really going after I mean, two steals a game is, is powerful stuff as well as 20 points per game. Uh, she was a two-time Final Four, most outstanding player, two-time Wooden Award winner. She won the Nysmith Award one time, won the Wade Trophy. She was SEC Player of the Year and an academic All-American. You know, I'm always harping on the smart ones and how important that is. I got a soft spot for the smart ones. And she is a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Candace was drafted first overall by the LA Sparks, for whom she's still she's still playing there. Next up, we got KD, uh, Texas Longhorn from two, yeah, one and done, 2006-7 season. He was a consensus first-team All-American and a consensus National College Player of the Year, and he was Big 12 Player of the Year that year. He also uh, had the second most points in Big 12 history in that season, second most by any freshman in Division One history. He averaged 26 points per game, over 11 rebounds per game, and almost one and a half assists per game. He didn't get past the second round of the of the 2007 NCAA tournament. They lost to USC that year. He's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, post-collegiate career, that is. And I, I haven't been talking about it much for everyone else, but a lot of the players you know, before the Dream Team, in fact, all of the players before the Dream Team were college players when they went to the Olympics. That was required. It was amateur amateur stuff there, amateur only. And we talked on the last show about how that 90, 1992 Dream Team came about and they started letting in professional uh, athletes. Anyway, uh, Kevin Durant is a two-time Olympic gold medalist at post-collegiate career. He ended up being drafted second overall by the Seattle Supersonics in 2007. He was actually the last active player uh, to play for both the Thunder and the Sonics. He played for them until 2016 when he went to the Warriors, and now he plays for the Nets. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, Kevin Durant uh, on this list of greatest college players of all time, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. But uh, wait, wait till we get to Zion. I'm gonna, and especially when we get our special guest on, we're gonna have a lot to say about these one and duns and whether or not and why they should be considered greatest college players of all time. So next up in the final the final bracket of the Midwest region is number eight Danny Manning against number nine Zion Williams. Now Manning was uh, played for Kansas nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty eight three time Big Eight Player of the Year a consensus second team All American two time consensus first team All American he's a NABSI Award winner Wooden Award Nysmith Award winner uh, in the nineteen eighty eight final game which they played against Oklahoma, he had 31 points, 18 rebounds, 5 steals, and 2 blocks. And such an outstanding performance in a, in a finals game led to them being called Danny and the Miracles. I just love that. Uh, he was Big 8's player of the decade for the 80s and a 1988 bronze medalist in basketball. It bears repeating that the 1988 team did not win gold and that is probably that probably heavily influenced the decision to open up the 1992 Summer Olympics to professional basketball athletes where the 1992 Dream Team absolutely dominated uh, winning all eight games. He was, that Danny Manning that is, was drafted first overall by the Los Angeles Clippers 
played for them for five years. Then he played for the Hawks, the Suns, the Bucks, the Jazz, the Pistons. And now he coaches at Wake Forest. Uh, and last but certainly least is Zion Williams, who played for Duke in 2018-19 season. Another one and done. He actually joined KD and AD as the only freshman ever to win the Wooden Award. And I've got to go back and check my notes. I feel like that may not be the case in women's basketball. But, uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think of that. He set a Duke record by averaging 26 points per game through six games of the playoffs that year. So apparently one of his big claims to fame is that um, he set a Duke record for most points per game in an NCAA tournament, a single NCAA tournament, which is not nothing, you know, that's not nothing. And he was a consensus first-team All-American and a consensus National College Player of the Year. And now, now... I hope you're sitting down, folks, because the this this record, these this lineup of achievements is really going to blow your doors off. He was ACC Rookie of the Year, the the ACC Tournament MVP, First Team All ACC, ACC Player of the Year, and ACC Athlete of the Year. Yeah, I'm not kidding. He was the best player in the ACC for one year. So, man, what a what a resume. He also won the Wayman Tisdale Award and the Carl Malone Award before being drafted first overall by the Pelicans in the 2019 draft, and he still plays for them. That's going to do it for the 64 college basketball goats, according to ESPN. We've wrapped it up over four different shows, five different shows now, and when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by the producer of world-renowned sports, Kevin McCormick. Talk to you in a minute. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and I'm joined by, and this is as promised, I've been teasing out this special guest all week, I'm joined by the host of world-renowned sports on YouTube, Kevin McCormick. How you doing, Kev? Jordan, what's your favorite Mad Max movie? Oh my gosh, the coronavirus version? Yeah. Mad Max 6 or whatever the next one is to come out? Save us, Tina Turner. <laughs> Kevin. It's been 13 days since Sports Apocalypse hit, and I've been stuck doing podcasts. Well, so you, you haven't been spending your time cleaning. I didn't see that. Hey man, hey man. That's uh, clearly we're not observing social distancing. Now they know. But uh, I will say that I've tried to add an element of humor to things. This has been a dark time, and um, I am fortunate to be able to continue working during that time. Uh, I read so. an essay about how like like regular people responded during the London Blitz. It, it was amazing how like there was totally a lot of gloom and doom, but there was also like a lot of gallows humor. Just like like neighbors would walk outside after bombing and be like, "Ha ha, those sissy Germans didn't get us." You know, that's it, it's such a natural human response to stuff like this, and natural and healthy in my opinion. I think so too. My yeah. my father always used to say, "If we weren't laughing, we'd surely be crying." Right. And I think that applies right now. So we are locked down with Locked On Ducks here with Kevin McCormick to discuss the 64 college basketball goats. And, you know, I really think that where we should begin is kind of addressing or absolutely addressing how they came up with this list. Yeah. Like, or just the existence of these lists in general, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, when you talk about folks and we, and we just hit this on the on the last segment but when you talk about folks like Kevin Durant and Sion Williams you're talking about people who are one and done and as great as they may be 
could they possibly be greater than someone who did that same thing for three or four years? So, yeah, what you're touching on is the definition of greatness, which is why a lot of these conversations are like fun diversions, but they're ultimately kind of pointless because you just can't <laughs> quantify that. Like, True. What, what does great mean? Like, if I ask you for like a one, one sentence mean, like, definition, like, what is it to you? The best at what they do. But, okay, so what does it mean to, like, compare, like, Wilt Chamberlain to Sabrina Ionescu? Like, how was how that instructive in any way? Oh, my gosh, I feel like we need a whole segment on that. And it's okay to take diversions and into other sports, which I want to do here with conversations. You know, Tom Brady has moved on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so we start to think about comparing right. someone like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees with Tom Brady. So, when one, you have a, a more decorated athlete. Right. And on the other hand, you have an athlete with higher statistics, and they played contemporaneously, which, I mean, this 64 greatest college players of all time, we're talking about, like, I think the earliest one is 1959. Right, exactly, yeah. So, And that speaks to a little bit to the fact that basketball is just kind of getting going, like, in the post-World War II era, but, like... So I think what we're dancing around here is, is greatness an objective definition or is it the greatest against their own competition? And if it's the latter, well, does that mean a Division Two guy scoring 50 points a game belongs on the list over a D1 guy scoring 25? Like, does that really make sense? Is it who on a common court would win in a game of one-on-one? Because I don't really want to see a one-on-one -on -one game of Sabrina Ionescu versus Wilt Chamberlain. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I think it can boil down to the observation that you have it, it, with regard to college basketball. Right. You have 19, and I, and I really think it is 1959. And, and uh, you know, I've done this for five days straight, and it, they're all a mashup at this point. But between, we'll say, 1960 and 1981... You have no one, no freshman year is recorded because right. the NCAA tournament wasn't record, wasn't you weren't eligible unless you were a varsity player. Right. And then between 1981 and 1988, uh, you have college players are still the only ones eligible for the Olympics. And then post, you know, the 80s, you have everybody's everybody's playing three to four years, but then. And please remind me when this happened, where you where you get people going straight from high school and then the one-and-done requirement. Right, yeah. The, the first guy I ever heard about doing that was Garnett in 95, so I would assume that it was made legal probably not long before that. Because uh -huh. guys obviously would have been doing it before that, but... I want to say it was the late two thousands when they they mandated the one and done thing. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I am I am going to admit that for part of the time, part of the time, I was probably in my second day, and I thought, Jesus, why isn't LeBron James? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. That's right. There's this whole host of people who never even played for college, and does that mean that they were, you know, better than what would have been contemporaneous, you know, right. eighteen, nineteen, and twenty twenty year olds? So this issue of greatest of all time is something that we kind of, it's, yes, we need to address how to define that, um, but I think we need to, with regard to this list, take, boil, d distill it down to two or three things, right? Yeah. yeah, Personal, yeah. yeah personally, uh, I, I think one and dones don't have the same impact on the college discussion because this is a discussion about great goats of college. Yeah, right. They, they absolutely shouldn't, and that's 
why these lists are always kind of silly and they don't actually measure like the legit great college players. There, there's a lot of guys that are on there for name recognition. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys that are on there for professional accomplishments. And frankly, you know, I, I, I just don't see that like the utility of comparing a guy from like 1945 to the year 2005. Like the homo sapien animal has been the same for the, the last two to 300,000 years, okay? <laughs> right. But in the last hundred, we realized, hey, maybe you athletic freaks of nature, you should probably, like, change up your diet from the average Joe Schmuck. You should probably, like, change up your daily routine and maybe exercise a little bit more. Right. For, like, the last hundred years. And that's been fine-tuned to where it's basically a science now, right? Like, this is the exact same problem that the NFL ran into with this whole, like, greatest hundred list. Uh-huh. Like, everyone's roasting them for, like... Oh, could Jim Thorpe tackle Derrick Henry? And the answer is like, no, most likely not. Because right. <laughs> Derrick Henry was the beneficiary of this whole science of what makes an athlete, and Jim Thorpe absolutely was not. So, I don't know. It's it, there's there's institutional reasons like what you're describing. You know, the one and done thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the you got to be on varsity at certain times and whatnot. And there's also these like very physical, biological reasons that these also don't make any sense. Well, and speaking of biology, there there there's. Well, there's two more things I want to address before we really dive into the details in the next segment, but uh, there are two more very important considerations. One is that we have males versus females in this in this list, and the other consideration is the fact that these regions are wholly unrelated to where they played and what players they are. They're, they're just using the, the language of the tournament, right? Yeah. And just putting them in Yeah, there's a, there's a Duke player, I think, in every one of these regions. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the woman thing. You know, I, I, I do think it's a little bit odd that I know the name of the 12th man on the Lakers in 2003, and the list of women's basketball players I know, every single one of them is on this list. Right. And that is the entire list. That's a little bit strange. It, it, add, add Lisa Leslie to that, I guess, because she was a big uh, uh-huh. spark, but... Uh, I think in a perfect world, this list would just shake out 50-50 yeah. due, due to merit and not some like weird enforced affirmative action. And there's a matrix of reasons that is not the case. Uh, one reason I don't think it's due to is fan sexism. And I, I know you're not a, a mixed martial arts guy, uh, but the UFC has had women's fights for about the time it takes to make toast. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> right. They're already main eventing. They're already just as big a stars in many ways as the men are. It's not exactly equal. It's far and away more equal than any modern American sport. And the UFC, for all the problems it has as, as an organization, and they are legion, they're doing great there. And the reason is because of Ioannia and Jacek, Rose Namajunas, Misha Tate, Amanda Nunez, and obviously most especially Ronda Rousey. Right, right. Uh, they are big, like interesting, unique, charismatic personalities. And they made that sport. The, the, UFC, the UFC gave them an opportunity, and they absolutely ran with it. So... Maybe women's basketball is just missing their Ronda Rousey. I don't know. Well, I, and and uh, it's it's good that you bring that up because we could really think of Sabrina Ionescu as game breaking this yeah. year, literally game breaking yeah. it with with her two thousand uh, po- two thousand plus points, one thousand plus assists, and one thousand plus rebounds. I mean, we're talking about a game breaking performance that has never been. Uh, uh, even close to duplicated in, by either men or women in college basketball. Nevertheless, we're t- she's being compared, or she's in the first first bracket against Wilt Chamberlain, who you know refused to play his senior year because he was tired of being triple and quadruple teamed every game. Yeah. 
Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and come back. We're going to dive more into uh, the 64 greatest college basketball players of all time. We've kind of set the stage a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a minute. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks. My name is Jordan Long. I'm your host, and I'm joined by Kevin McCormick, producer of World Renowned Sports on YouTube. How you doing, Kev? What it is, y'all. All right. So we've been discussing, kind of laying the groundwork for the 64 college basketball player goats, and we talked a whole lot about how to how to create some levity or parity in this uh, in this list, which isn't possible. But I think I think that the consensus is. These lists are fun, but inaccurate. So that having been said, we're going to go ahead and do region by region. So it, West region. No, go it, ahead. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just to be clear, I'm absolutely cannot do the female players on this list justice because it's just, I, it's just the nature of uh, following the sport in the past, you know, thirty years. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a, uh, you know, uh, disclaimer. Well, it's not just that, but one of the things that. Um, makes it so interesting is that because of the way that the women's game is played, and actually we should do a historical episode on this, but but the way the women's game is played, I think breeds or or, or brings a brings about a different level of stats. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's the same way that a nineteen sixties player and a nineteen eighties player and a two thousand tens player is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So one of my favorite favorite moments here in the West region was Lou Alcindor, <laughs> better known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes, against Simone Augustus, like, well, like we're gonna lead lead the pack here with yeah. one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Yeah, yeah. We we already get into this where Simone Augustus I've never heard of, and Lou Alcindor, of course. Uh, you know, I'm a, a Lakers fan since basically my entire life. Like, my first memory is a Magic Johnson poster in my, in my bedroom. Uh, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, absolutely. Uh, you know, what can you say that hasn't been said? You know, the, the skyhook, the, the uh, uh, starring an airplane. He's obviously a very funny media personality now. Uh, I love the guy. And uh, Simone Augustus, I'm sure, is a wonderful person. I've just never heard of her. Now, in her college career, she had 2,700, over 2,700 points, and she w went to three consecutive Final Fours, but honestly, I'm going to have to hand this one, and again, this is ESPN that set up the matchups, right. I'm going to have to hand this one to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, simply because he won three national titles. Right. Like, you, you, three national titles versus three Final Four appearances. A part of all those John Wooden clubs and, uh, you know, the Which, which they, they both, they both honestly have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, Diana Taurasi and Chris Jackson. I have to stop you there because this is the one time when I've heard of the woman and I have not heard of Chris Jackson. Oh, so Chris Jackson also played for LSU. And when I say also, I'm talking about Simone Augustus played for LSU also. And Chris did it in that 88-1990 period where we're talking about uh, he got to play his freshman year. Okay. Um, he's actually better known as, maybe you've heard of Mahmoud abdul Ralph. I have absolutely heard of Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. So uh, that that's Chris Jackson. So that's Chris Jackson. Yeah. Okay. ESPN published that. this list with their pre-changed names. Right. Well, yeah, he probably went by that in college. Yeah. Uh, he in the NBA was uh, Kaepernick before Kaepernick. He was uh, essentially shadow banned from the league for uh, 
anthem protests. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. People forget this. Oh, I totally have to bring this up. So a heads up to our listeners. We're going to be talking to George Reichster in the coming weeks about, and one of the issue, one of the things I hope to talk about, it's not an issue, it's settled as far as I'm concerned. And one of the things I hope to talk about with George is uh, Colin Kaepernick protests. And uh, so I love that you put that in there. This show doesn't get political often, but I will die on that hill as far as uh, being a veteran who supports Colin Kaepernick. But that's not why you tuned in, folks. You tuned in to hear that Chris Jackson was a two-time SEC Player of the Year. But I think I have to hand this one to Tarasi. I agree. A two-time Naismith winner, Final Four MVP, uh, 2,200 points. Almost 650 assists. Diana probably should have been the female Michael Jordan. Uh, and what I mean by that is just raise the profile of the sport the, yeah. way, the way we're hoping Ionescu will end up. Right. And I think the reason that didn't happen is Tarazi is just kind of more of a, a private, soft-spoken person and just didn't end up becoming like an icon of the sport for that reason. So, uh, But he's absolutely incredible talent. Uh, has some not very nice things to say about the WNBA. Really? Yeah. Uh, she actually even plays in the, like Europe and Russia because they pay her better. Yep, <laughs> you know? yep. We so, talked about that, yeah. yeah. And she was a first overall draft pick in 2004. Uh, absolutely consensus. Maybe LeBron James is a better example. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll but, buy that for a dollar, uh, yeah. Absolutely back then, everybody knew her name. So, all right. Next up, uh, Oscar Robinson and Bill Bradley. Man, Oscar Robinson, <laughs> who had a, a a National Player of the Year trophy named after him. Okay, <laughs> like before Oscar Robinson, it was called something else. You know, that's a sign that you were probably pretty good. Um, yeah, Oscar. Like I, I don't even know. What again? What what can you say? And uh, Bill Bradley, I I know uh, somewhat more from his political career. But uh, Oscar and Elgin Baylor, those guys, were just an incredible era of uh, guards. Yeah, so Oscar Robinson played in, uh, he started in 1957, right. but obviously freshman eligibility was an issue, as we've mentioned many times right, so, right, uh, right, this right. week. And in three years, uh, averaged 35 points, 15 rebounds per game. Like, you're really going to tell me that this guy, who played an entire three-year stint, had that much production, is third on this list yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh now next up we're going to be talking about one of these one and dones right ad can we call this the brow versus the logo (laughs) (laughs) yes sir that's a great way to put it so ad versus jerry west man like who advances on, on this one uh, Anthony Davis, I know absolutely nothing about his college career. I know, uh, Jerry... One and done. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I know nothing about it because it was insignificant. Uh, he had the division... He has the division one record for the fourth most blocks of all time. <laughs> okay. So he should <laughs> be the fourth best college player in this <laughs> yeah. region? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's... Like, that's a come on, man, right? That That's, uh, a name recognition, um... He's on this list because of his professional accomplishments. Yeah. Uh, Jerry obviously was uh, amazing. Um, I, also, nineteen fifty-seven. That, that's right. Yeah. I, I recently watched uh, like the sixty-four NBA Finals, like game, oh, wow. game, game six or something. <laughs> oh. And Jerry, like his shooting stroke was unbelievable. Like, if if he shot it, it was going in. But the the Lakers collapsed in like the last two minutes of the game just to uh-huh. to, to fall to Boston. Yeah, it was. It, it was an amazing game to watch, frankly. I got to give this one to Jerry West, and that's going to be a personal bias against the one and dones. But even so, like really, yeah, twenty three 
2,300 career points, man. Yeah. Like, had, had Anthony Davis played a full college career, maybe, you know, there'd be an Maybe? But, like, had Anthony Davis played in 1957 through 1960? Right. And, when, when well, we'll, we'll get into that era, racial they, era later. They, but Well, and the, there were good centers back then is something else I want to get to. Yes. Just, you know, oh, Wilt Chamberlain played against a bunch of five-foot-tall Jewish New York guys. No, no God, that's not yeah, true. Yeah, 100% yeah. not true. Plenty of six-foot-nine guys playing. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, though. So, uh, Tyler Hansbro uh, and... Lisa Leslie, who you were saying, uh, yeah, is one of the most notable women of all time. Great trailblazer, uh, Hall of Fame, L.A. Spark. And by trailblazer, we mean someone who blazes trails. <laughs> yes, for those of you local <laughs> yes. listeners. Yes, uh, Tyler Hansborough, man, like he was a great heel. He was absolutely like in the Bill Lambier, Christian Leitner mold of just a big goofy white kid who is just like 10% talent and 90% effort and like 10% just jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about Christian late, late, late more. Wait, Leitner in a minute. God, there I go again. (laughs) (laughs) The the best thing I can say about Tyler Hansborough is I cannot see him flopping ever. Right. Right. And this one is actually really hard because Lisa Leslie had a full career as well. Um, and good on Tyler for playing four full years in the 2000s when he could have, you know, declared himself eligible sure. early. If we are going to take out uh, professional sports as part of the barometer here, I have to hand this one to Tyler Hansbro. But that is not to say that Lisa wasn't a pioneer and an absolutely one of the inaugural members of the first WNBA draft and definitely deserves tons and tons of recognition but when it comes to college play we're going to give this to tyler hansbro now that's going to do it for today's locked on ducks i'm going to be bringing you the continuation of this interview with world-renowned sports producer kevin mccormick in the coming days so please stay tuned for that we got a lot of good content a lot of good analysis and next week we're going to be doing our influencers week where we interview kind of well-known people from around the league. We're going to be talking pro sports, might be talking healthcare. love getting George Reigster on the show. But for now, in the next couple of days, I want you to tune in because we're reacting to ESPN 64 College Player Goats. And there's a lot of good discussion here. Please hit up the show on Twitter. I mean, you can always find the show at Locked on Ducks and you can find me on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy. But... Uh, go on to Twitter and use the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. And with that, you can write, first of all, write anything you want. But please react to our discussion. I would love for these discussions to incorporate listener involvement. Who should be on this list? Who shouldn't be on this list? And why? Okay, so that's going to do it for today's Locked on Ducks. Really appreciate you having uh, uh, having the time to listen. I know we're all locked down, and that's why I say we're locked down with Locked On Ducks. Thank you for listening. Love y'all. Have a great day, and go Ducks!